Welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, produced by the Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School. This past week, Bill Holiday interviewed the founders of one of Brattleboro's most famous 1980s landmarks, the Flat Street Nightclub. What follows are excerpts with brother and sister Dennis Smith and Linda Dirks. They were joined by longtime friends Dennis Fagan and Kate Terrio. Well, let me ask, what was your vision for this place? You said you were a nightclubber. Uh, what was your place going to be? If everything was perfect and uh, you made it to your own specifications, which you did. Well, you, you, you talked about pool tables, there's a bar area, there was dancing, you had a little stage. It was something for everybody. I mean, even our parents were involved and all their friends. And so when it opened, it was just all ages. I mean, there were kind of the respectable uh, gentry in town who came opening night and continued to come. Mm-hmm. And it was young the people. Big there, that was, was, it was the beginning of the disco years. Right. Uh, and, and I remember the Duke Ellington Orchestra was that's there. That's right. Yeah. We and had a lot of these big band orchestras. And we did tons of special events opening for... Opening night, I don't for, remember um, who was... Uh, Asleep night. at the Wheel. Asleep at the Wheel. Played opening night. I don't even remember all the big names. But I was do a, there wasn't there a soft opening first? We did a soft opening before we did the hard we, opening? We did some practicing, yeah. But the hard opening was like so... It was so weird that our hard opening... <laughs> we hadn't thought about what to do with the money. <laughs> Never crossed her mind. What did you do? Take it home? No. John Reynolds was there all night long. And <laughs> yeah, at the end of the night, <laughs> we've got boxes and boxes of money. <laughs> we didn't know what to and do. And we didn't know what to do with it. It was all curled up and cashed. And, and, and wet. And, and wet and yucky. And there's no way you can count it. Right. So we loaded it in the back of his car. He opened up First Vermont Bank. And, and took the money. Took, we took all the boxes into his office. And left them, and the next day they had all the tellers. Count right on everything. Only in a small put town. It, it, we never even thought about that. Boxes of money. Sure, what are you doing? Paid cash back. But they were, they that were, was a good problem, cash. though. That was a very good. <laughs> that problem. That was a big problem, <laughs> but a good one. <laughs> there were all these linkages between, you know, the financing and John and Claude, and these were all people you know, yeah. because we were local kids. And they were all graduates and, too. And it seemed like from, from, from your from your class from BOHS. Right. Was there? And I don't think we would have had had a chance of getting a liquor license if we hadn't been local kids. You know, Hugh Bronson and those guys really stepped up to the plate for us. Yeah. And it just was, it was a community effort from all around. And we supported the community, and as Dennis still continues to do here at the marina. But mm-hmm. I thought of a couple of fun things about construction of where things came from. Those white globes that are the light fixtures in the upstairs, <coughs> those actually came out of the courthouse in St. Johnsbury, Vermont. Our grandfather was a side judge in St. Jay, and when they renovated the building, he had... Save those they, globes. They, they were throwing them all away. Really? And, and saved he saved them. He, had a, he was a, he was a little, he had a little trepidation about giving them to a, a, an, a, an uh, outfit a that was going to serve alcohol because he was a very you know, devout oh, yeah. uh, kind of guy. And then that front garage door was covered with a theater curtain that came from the Darien Inn up in East Burke, East Vermont. Because they had a theater there and I had lived there and Burke I remember. And, uh, and the tables came from a hotel over in. Um, Agunquit, Maine. You and I drove over we drove there over with there. a truck and a trailer, and, and it, it was like 
Sanford, I had, I had been working. Yeah, right. I had been working. <laughs> all those tables on there and tied them up over the top of the <laughs> truck and over the top of a trailer and drove them all back from a gunquit. And I, I had been working at this place because it was being renovated and oh, yeah. turned into timeshare units. But we lost one table on a clover leaf somewhere, we, and we had to go. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to go back. I mean, we just we were just we worked our butts off. We really did. But I remembered that from construction that, that we cut. We you know we rounded up resources that. You know, kind of from from all over Church the place. Church benches. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah was seating. All came, came from, from Turner's Falls, like a recycling place uh, down there. Yeah, the, the Renaissance yeah. Uh, was Renaissance or something it was called. And we had these folding chairs in the lower section that came out of one of the old back wards at the retreat. My mother worked at the retreat. At oh the yes. Time. So here we have all this collecting of resources coming from all over the. Down in the, the catacombs place. of the retreat, we we walked through all those tunnels down there. It's all full of furniture. Really? And they were just like throwing it all away. So that became all the seating for Festery. <laughs> Listen, one of the most impressive things about looking through your stuff here is uh, the talent you attracted. Uh, who organized that? Who made that happen? You you had some very big names. Uh, Sly and the Family Stone in there, George Thoroughgood, Seth the Shirelles. Yeah, we decided that we didn't know enough, so we hired. Somebody who was just wonderful, Seth, uh, Seth Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein. And he was a local teacher. He was a great musician. Too. He was a local teacher. He was a local teacher, and he was he played in a band, and he he came in as a temporary booking agent for us. Yeah. And Stayed. he he decided that life as a school teacher, life was not worth living if he had to get up at that hour of the morning, and if we would pay for his uh, his health insurance, he'd come to work for us full time, yeah. and that's how we got Seth for years. <laughs> For years, and he booked all those acts. Yeah. And where was he from? New York City. Okay. Was he from there? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But he, I think he was a teacher he, at the Dumbarton School. He moved into Rattleboro and was working in town. Hmm? A so lot of these acts we picked up, you know, because Seth had the knowledge. But a lot of them <coughs> were moving between New York and Montreal. Yeah. Um, it, we were stopped between New York and right. in Boston, Montreal, New York and Montreal. The so booking we agents got learned, learned, started learning that. And we, and we got George Thoroughgood because he was doing a fifty-fifty tour. He had to do fifty states in fifty days, and where else what in are Vermont? You doing in Vermont. Yeah. So, you know, wow. we got names like George Plus Thoroughgood. Plus we're at the and, southernmost uh, part of it, so it was easy for him to get yeah. here and then get over to Massachusetts or, or New yeah. York or somewhere. There are other big things like that. We'd like uh, George H. Bush was there. Um, George Herbert Walker? George Herbert Walker. In the 70s, that's shortly yeah. after he was uh, director of the CIA. Let's see. In the mid-70s. That, that he was, was, was it when he was running for president? He was... Uh, Right, sort of in the May '78. It would was Potter Stewart that organized that. Yeah. Reagan, Ronald Reagan would get the nomination. Another lifelong right. friend. Yeah, and he was our lawyer. And Potter was key so. in the whole thing too. Well, speaking of key, everybody who had something to do with the original construction or special friends, they got a, literally a, a key that looked like a skeleton a key, gold, a, gold, a key. gold key, and all they had to do was walk in and show that key at the club, and they had you know, carte blanche. Carte blanche. <laughs> So Claude Gowen, Claude Gowen, Potter Stewart, Potter Stewart, John, John Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah. Is there still a gold key anywhere? I have one. You <laughs> have okay. He's the key master. Uh, okay. So Kate, what, what, where do you fit in? What were you doing? All right. So Everywhere. I graduated high school in Northern Maine in 1978, and my friend Jerry, who was bartending, my 
mother was down here visiting, and she said, Jerry said he can get you a job at this nightclub down here. So I jumped on a bus and came here. And 18 years old. 18 years old. <laughs> very, very young and innocent from the middle of nowhere. So this was big city for me. <laughs> and I got here and he said, go to Idle Knot and learn how to waitress. So I went over to Idle Knot and I learned how to waitress. Dennis said that? No, no Jerry. No, 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 no. Jerry, Jerry. Jerry Morse. And about a month later, probably mid to, to end of July, uh, I was walking down the stairs one day at Flat Street and Linda was going up. And she said, are you ready to start working here yet? And I remember I was like, uh, uh, Jerry was like, she is. And so I started as a waitress and moved up to bartending with Dennis upstairs eventually. They had decided to do happy hour, and none of the real bartenders wanted to do happy hour. So that's how I got my claim to fame. Put the foot in the door, I right? put my foot in that door and still in the and door. still stuck in there. I think it's great to see the succession because... Kate's two sisters, Jennifer and Libby, were also involved. Libby still works for Dennis. Here, see, now. See, yeah. three of them, you know, Radar and, so and Dennis and Kate still here. It, it's very much a family. And the family here at, you know, at the marina today, we have... It's three generations. Three generations. Grandparents and right. their grandkids and... We're getting old, Dennis. It's really fun, though, when we get some some old Flat Street people that come in. Oh, that it made, is. Like it a is. few months back, remember, they heard you behind the bar and they recognized <laughs> you. And they just, it was like so it much fun. must have been my quiet voice yeah, that so did I'm sure it. that's what it was. Conversation about the New York Yankees. Yeah. So we get, One they come things. in on, off and on. And Ransom yeah. and Hastings was right up the street, so it was a whole different town. And back Spring Tree Cafe, Spring Tree Cafe it was, was right, right next door. Was right next door. Right. JW, who manages all the properties here, was a uh, big at the Spring Tree Cafe. We still have that, you know, that's in yeah. constant interaction going with the same family. Elliott Street was a buzz saw too. There was Alice's up there. There was Alice. a Village Barn. Yeah. There was Mike's. There was yeah. Max Pub. Yeah. Kind of a country western place, and then you guys were. But you were the creme de la creme. Well, Village Barn was gone. By the time Flasher came in, Village Barn, I think, was gone. Was on Village way Barn down. Was, just, was going away yeah. within the year or two of right. when we opened. You Ransom's probably, was big. Yeah. Cheers was big back then. Colors started. Yeah. There was uh, a quarter moon got involved, started a little later on down the line. I mean, you walk down, you walk down Elliott Street and you'd hear music from different yeah. spots. Now people walk into this town today at 9 o'clock, they wonder, is there any place open? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is no. Well, it was different back the then. Yeah. But also, uh, Flat Street really put Brattleboro on, on, the, on the map. I mean, I, I moved Definitely. to Portsmouth for a while. Everybody had, had, had heard of Flat Street. Right. I mean, you know, we advertised far and wide. I used to go out, no matter where we were, we would take free passes, what we called admit ones, and we'd just post them to a bulletin board with the location on the back, see if they came back. And also, remember, Vermont was an 18-year-old drinking state, and every state around us had turned to 21. So people were coming from Boston, from Athol, from far away to the nightclub yeah, that because was they could on. drink at 18 years old. I remember one, one night, uh, this, you know, this is when... MTV had just come out, and we were going to invest in video screens. Great big, huge deal yeah. for Flat Street. And we were went someplace in Massachusetts, and you know, Dennis, as we were taught, you know, does everybody have a dime so they can make a phone call? And Kate said, "Where I came from, we didn't have any phone booths. <laughs> <laughs> you just got on, jumped on a moose, and went home." <laughs> wow. but, Talk to me about a busy night then. 
Busy night. I mean, Lord, like, what was the, busy well, night. How many people? I mean, you couldn't. It was wall to wall. The, when the they ramp first, was loaded. There was the 12, dance there was have, you, have you been in there? What yeah. was your okay. capacity? The you dance floor, <laughs> as it is now, it, it was. It was. What well, well, we now? It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, when, when it first outside. opened, the dance floor was straight across. Then they opened the left hand side to add more people. On any given night, when they first opened in the early '80s, the doors would open at eight o'clock. By 8.30, there was maximum capacity. The doors were closed. There would be a line all the way down Flat Street to what is now the transportation people went center. People out, other people would come back in. Yeah. One out, one in. couldn't let that many people in. And there was how many doormen on it? There'd be 10 to 12 doormen working? Any given night. Two Any bartenders day. on each bar with, uh, with bar backs. The, the DJs. You know, did you tell them any, when they first opened, every night was a different kind of music in the very beginning? Eventually that kind of went away, but rock bands on the weekends, and then the DJ would play in between. Disco, uh, we had disco contests on Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Oh, the Sunday was afternoons was teen, teen, teen disco. Teen disco on Sundays, we started. Sunday night, night. Well, we were one of the first places to welcome gays yep. and to come in. Yep. They yep. felt uncomfortable, and this yep. was one of the first places, Wednesday nights, they'd yep. come in. And, feel and we'd have free dance contests. And, and from that, STEM colors and other yeah. places, I'm sure. Yeah, too. colors yeah. opened up, and yeah. But uh, Flat Street was the first club in Vermont to do video. When video came out, when MTV started doing video, <laughs> they, they were the first ones to do video, and they had a screen, one, two, three screens that could be lowered or raised one on the dance floor, one on the sidewall, one on the back wall. So people upstairs who were above the dance floor, they could see. You know, sometimes we'd put right. the camera on uh, on the people dancing, so y you could see that all around. But it was... Oh, that was, was huge te technology back then. It was huge. And it, like it says, Vermont's largest nightclub. And it was for... Probably still would be. I don't think there was anything bigger than one of the largest in New England at that point. Yeah, it was huge. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.